Coming up, we're talking last night's midget and sprint car races at Merced, some more schedule news, and I've got some food for thought as we head off into the Thanksgiving weekend. Let's go. Today is Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. Welcome into Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. There's nothing like a little bit of midweek racing, even if we have to stay up late to watch it. Last night, we got a nice sprint car and midget doubleheader at Merced out in California. The sprint car portion of the night was local 360s, but the field did include Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, with Elliott making his debut with the wing on. In the feature, Ryan Timms started on the pole and led early, but a mistake just a few laps in sent him over the top of the track in turn four, and that handed the lead to Larson on the restart. Once green, that was all she wrote. Larson was never really challenged out front again, driving away to the victory. Colby Copeland charged from 13th to finish second. Chase Randall was third, Blake Carrick fourth, and Keith Day Jr. was fifth. Randall was actually pretty good all race long, trying to track Larson down through lap traffic, but got passed late in the going by Copeland. As for Elliott, he kept it clean and brought the Tarleton 21 home to an 18th place finish. Um, all you needed to have on that first night out was for him to bring that car back. Uh, no sense in, in doing anything crazy and, and taking big risks there for Elliott. In the midget portion of the night, though, neither driver was ever a factor all night long. Larson had engine issues in hot laps and qualifying and was behind kind of through the whole program. He ended up going 8th to 5th in his heat, then 15th to 8th in the B main, just missing out on a transfer spot. Elliott was 11th in the B. Another driver making his USAC midget debut last night was IndyCar driver Santino Ferrucci. His night ended in the B as well with a 15th place result. All three will be back tonight to do it all over again. As for the midget feature, all eyes were on Buddy Kofoid and Chris Windham as this championship continues to play out. Unfortunately for Wyndham, though, Kofoid was able to pad the points lead for the second straight night. Out front in a caution-free affair, we had a fun battle between Tanner Thorson and Justin Grant, with Thorson grabbing the lead early before Grant took over on lap 6. Grant led the rest of the way for his second consecutive win and fourth of the season, but Thorson stalked him throughout and really made him earn it. Kofoid started third and finished third, and with Wyndham way down in 11th, the gap between the two is now 41 points with just two nights left in the season. Emerson Axum and Cannon McIntosh completed the top five. Wyndham and his Chadboat team definitely need to find some speed for tonight if they're going to close this gap back up. If we go to Ventura this weekend with a gap at 41 or bigger, Kofoid will basically have it in the bag. So looking ahead, we've got another full night of racing to come tonight at Merced, and then the teams and drivers have a few days off before Turkey Night takes place on Saturday at Ventura. I believe Friday night is a practice night for the midgets. The finale at Ventura will pay $10,000 to the winner, and at last check, the entry list for Saturday is up over 50 midgets. Kyle Larson is the defending Turkey Night winner from 2019, and he and Christopher Bell have combined to win the last four and five of the last six. Tanner Thorson is also a recent winner there back in 2015. Tickets are still available for Saturday, but if you can't be there, watch all of the action live on Flow Racing. We talked yesterday on the show about the 2020 Flow Racing Night in America schedule, and not long after I finished recording the episode, Ben Shelton tweeted they are also going to do an Illinois Speed Week for late models next year. The May Flow Racing dates at Spoon River and Lincoln will kick things off on Wednesday and Thursday, and then racing continues Friday, May 13th at Farmer City, 
for a 15,000 win show, and then the week closes out Saturday, May 14th at Fairbury for 30,000 to win. The four knights will also pay points towards a $10,000 championship, with the top five in the points sharing 22 grand. There aren't any Lucas or Outlaw shows this weekend, so I'm guessing those races could have some pretty stout fields. Plus, as we've been talking about, it's just more and more money available for late model competitors through the season next year. This feels like it could be one of, if not the richest late model season ever to take place. Speaking of schedules, we don't have the full USAC slate of races for next season, but we did get to see the Indiana Sprint Week races last night. For 2022, the week will showcase eight races in nine nights, tying it with 2007 and 2019 as the longest sprint weeks ever. Each race will pay 6,000 to win and 600 to start with a total points fund of 20 grand and the championship share, uh, champions share being 10 of that. The week will take place July 22nd through the 30th with stops at Gas City, Kokomo, Lawrenceburg, Circle City, Terre Haute, Lincoln Park, Bloomington, and Hobstadt. Tuesday, July 26th will be an off day for the teams in there. I believe this is the first time Circle City is on the schedule as well. Kevin Thomas Jr. is the reigning Sprint Week champion. Hopefully, we'll get to see the rest of the USAC schedules for the Sprint Cars, Midgets, and Silver Crown Series here pretty soon. We're getting ready to head off into the Thanksgiving holiday, and there are obviously not a ton of races going on, but I wanted to talk about a question I've been working on and give you something to think about over the next few days. If you're a regular, you obviously know about the analytics section of DirtTracker.com, and you know I recently launched a premium section of the site for even more stats and analytics called Dirt Tracker Plus. There's already a ton of new information and advanced stats available there, but I have a list of new stuff to add and questions to tackle, and one of them is this question I'm going to pose for you today. How much more difficult is it actually to race with the World of Outlaws versus racing against the All-Stars? Something I've been thinking about, and I believe we can use some stats and numbers in the database to start to try and understand and actually quantify the level of difficulty between the two series. I think we know anecdotally that the World of Outlaws is more difficult than the All-Stars, and we can point to guys like Aaron Reitzel as examples. He dominated the All-Stars from 2018 through 2020, winning three championships, and he has 28 wins in his last 104 starts. That's about 27% of his races. But if you look at the Outlaws, in his past 119 Outlaw starts, he only has 6 wins, which is about 5%. And we can point to guys that race with the Outlaws and say, like Brad Sweet, David Gravel, Donnie Schatz, and a lot of those others, we kind of know, and in quotes, know that if they race with the All-Stars more often, they'd certainly do well. But how do we actually put some numbers on the difference in difficulty between the two series? So here's what I did. We can't use full-time outlaw guys because they don't make a ton of all-star appearances through the season as the rules for the outlaws don't really allow it. Since 2018, for example, Brad Sweet has just eight all-star appearances. And if we're not going to use full-time outlaws, we probably shouldn't use full-time all-stars either. So what does that leave us with? Actually, it's a pretty wide list of guys that it leaves us with. I solicited some suggestions on Twitter and put together a list of 16 drivers that have all made a decent amount of starts with both series in recent years, but are not full-time currently. These guys are now going to be our index. The list includes Lance DeWeese, Kerry Madsen, Gio Selzy, Rico Brown, uh, Rico Brown, Rico Abreu, Brian Brown, Danny Dietrich, Greg Wilson, Tim Schaefer, Anthony Macri, Kyle Larson, Sam Haverteep, Brent Marks, Parker Price Miller, Ian Madsen, Scotty Thiel, and Cole Macedo. The list covers multiple parts of the country. Guys that have a bunch of wins, some of the still that are kind of on the rise. I think it's actually a pretty solid cross-section of different drivers. 
I took these drivers and I compared their average finishes between the two series. Of this group, when they make features, on average, they finish nearly two and a half positions worse per race with the Outlaws than they do with the All-Stars. Right off the bat, that's a significant difference between the two series. The next question here, though, is how often are they actually making features between the two series, and if it's statistically significant? The answer here is most definitely yes. Those 16 drivers made just shy 90% of the features they represent back through 2018 with the All-Stars. With the Outlaws, that percentage drops to 82.5%. That's right about a 7% difference. So with the Outlaws, you have a significantly smaller chance of even making a feature. And then when you do transfer in, you're going to finish 2.5 positions worse. I say that's a pretty big difference in difficulty between the two series. This isn't available yet on the site, but it's something I'm going to work towards adding for the plus members here in the next couple of weeks. We can do an overall difficulty score based on all races, and then we can compare year to year how different things are as well. We could also do something like this for the Outlaws versus Lucas on the late model side. Drop me a comment, let me know what you think about this problem, and feel free to suggest other drivers to include in the index. I certainly had quite a few suggestions, and I left off any guys that either didn't have that many starts or if all or most of their starts were only at one track. Look for this to be added soon to the plus section of dirttracker.com. If you're looking for more dirt racing podcasts this week, Wing Nation has Jake Blackhurst, Loud Pedal has Brady Bacon, Suave Talk has Joseph Joyner, Passing Points has Joe Bob Lee, Track Talk has Mandy Pouch and Mike Mahaney, and there are new episodes of The Dirt Reporters and The Dirt Nerds. To see the full list of shows and episodes, hit up dirttracker.com slash podcasts. And if you want more about the McFadden to Roth move, check out Sprint Car Hub on YouTube. My guy Toby Balboan has about a 30-minute interview with J-Mac, breaking it all down. And there are three shows on the streaming schedule today. Dirt Vision has a weekly Dirt Car eSports action, and Flow Racing has the second night of USAC Midgets and 360 Sprint Cars from Merced. They also have Flow 24-7. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. Today is my last show for the week, and it will probably be Tuesday or Wednesday next week before we get back in the saddle. Going to enjoy some Thanksgiving holiday time with some family, and we'll be back soon. Hopefully you guys do the same, and we'll see you next week. That's it for the show today. Hope you have a good Wednesday. If you have thoughts about the topics on today's show, please leave them in the comments below or tweet at me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you in a few days for more Dirt Tracker Daily.